This podcast is brought to you by HealthCareInfoSecurity.com, the leading online publication for risk management and security professionals within the healthcare industry. This is Howard Anderson, Managing Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today we're talking about the High Tech Act EHR Incentive Program with Rob Tennant, Senior Policy Advisor at the Medical Group Management Association. Thanks for joining us today, Rob. My pleasure, and I uh, look forward to discussing this important issue, Howard. For starters, why don't you tell us a little bit about MGMA and your role there? Okay, MGMA is a trade association who represents practice executives, the leadership of medical groups, and a medical group is those organizations with uh, three or more physicians, um, including uh, single specialty groups all the way up to multi-specialty uh, groups like the Mayo Clinic, and uh, we really help to focus in on the administrative side of healthcare as opposed to the clinical. And my role is in health information technology uh, to assist practice administrators and others prepare to meet the challenges uh, of government regulation, incentives and penalties, and, of course, the area we're going to focus on today, which is meaningful use. To qualify for the Medicare and Medicaid EHR incentives under the Tech Act, physician groups must conduct a risk analysis and then take action to mitigate those risks that they've identified. So for a clinic with relatively limited resources, what's a good way to accomplish that task? It's a great question, and I think our members uh, face that every single day. As most folks know, the uh, the HIPAA security rule, uh, the compliance date was back in 2005. And even though a lot of practices have been very vigilant in terms of their preparation and compliance with the privacy rule, in some ways the security rule has slipped under the, the radar screen. And so when it comes to meaningful use, all of a sudden issues of risk analysis and, and mitigating uh, potential threats uh, comes to the forefront. So I think what practices need to do, first of all, is understand the rule. And there's a lot of resources on MGMA.com, uh, plenty of resources uh, through the government, and I would highlight a wonderful security series. Uh, it's a seven-part security series on the OCR, the Office for Civil Rights website, aimed at the smaller physician practice. And it's a wonderful discussion of each of the main components of the final rule and really gives you a step-by-step approach on how to co- comply with the rule and conduct a risk analysis. So I would say scour the uh, websites for as much uh, free and low-cost information as possible. And if that's not enough, then practices may want to hire the uh, services of a, of a top-notch consultant. What do you believe are some of the key risk mitigation steps that many clinics will end up having to take? The advice that I give our members is very simple. Say the two most important words, and that is, what if? So you want to ask yourself, what if our, our server fails? What if we have an environmental issue, whether it's a hurricane or a snowstorm, uh, that impacts uh, our physician's ability to gain access to their electronic data? Uh, What happens if we have a laptop with patient information stolen from the clinic? Uh, What happens if a smartphone with information on it is stolen at a hospital? And as soon as you walk through those what-ifs, then it becomes very clear what the practice needs to do. So, for example, in terms of uh, laptops, you need to, if possible, encrypt the data. So if the laptop is stolen, 
the information would not be accessible by those who uh, shouldn't be looking at the data, but also developing policies and procedures. So, for example, you may want to say to the clinicians, information on laptops is not permitted to be taken outside the clinic, and if it is, it must be encrypted. Um, so remote access, the, uh, the updating of, of virus software, uh, firewalls, all of those technical things that traditionally we haven't spent much attention to now, again, come to the forefront. We're seeing more emphasis by the government uh, expected on enforcement. So I think it's going to be now a part of the lexicon of the practice administrator, things that they've, uh, I think, tried to avoid for the last few years. To earn the high-tech incentives, physician groups have to use certified EHR software that includes a list of specific security functions, including encryption, as you just mentioned, and authentication, among many others. So how can clinic administrators go about comparing and contrasting the effectiveness of the security functions of EHR software to help them select the right system for their practice? In order to qualify for the meaning, uh, meaningful use incentives, you must be using a certified system. Just because the system is certified by one of the six ATCBs, that really doesn't give you much help in terms of how those features and functionalities will work in the real world. And so what we're encouraging our members to do is a couple of things. First of all, to consider the higher level certification offered by the Certification Commission for Health Information Technology, known as their 2011 certification. That goes above and beyond the minimum requirements as set out through HITECH. But the other factor, which I think is absolutely critical, is networking. And I think that's one reason why practice administrators turn to MGMA, why physicians turn to their specialties. It allows them to interact with their colleagues, their peers, who have been going through these challenges. And so by discussing on, on online forums the use of encryption or how do they handle passwords, what's a good policy to use for this or for that, that really can give the practice administrator a leg up on developing policies that not only comply with the law, but that can actually function within the organization. And again, taking advantage of all of the resources out there, whether or not it's through MGMA or through the government, there's a lot of assistance out there. Another wonderful resource is the Work Group for Electronic Data Interchange, or WIDI. They have a number of white papers available on a whole host of privacy and security topics. And again, leveraging these types of resources will cut down on the cost and increase your ability to come into compliance with the regulations. What other advice would you offer to clinics installing their first EHR systems about how to ensure the privacy of patient information? Any other advice? Well, I think uh, a good advice is always take this type of challenge seriously. I think um, a lot of practices were pretty vigilant about creating uh, privacy notices and uh, making sure that the uh, the privacy of the data was maintained, but they took a somewhat uh, a more cavalier approach to doing a risk analysis, mainly because this is very foreign to most practice administrators. Most are not experts in the field of encryption and, and um, user authentication, those types of technical details. So I think familiarizing themselves, it's not quite as, as foreign as it might sound. There's a lot of low-cost uh, 
software packages that will help encrypt and, and protect the data electronically. So I think really taking advantage of, of the knowledge that's around them, but also really educating the staff. And it's not just um, the practice administrator that needs, needs to take these, uh, these things seriously. It needs to be the clinical and administrative staff. And by taking seriously any problems as well, and I think uh, we're going to see with the release of the uh, forthcoming breach notification uh, final rule that there are some potentially serious ramifications to a security breach in a practice. So I think the time has come to take security much more seriously and, and of course, to leverage all available resources to make the practice as safe as possible. Thanks very much, Rob. We've been talking today with Rob Tennant of MGMA. This is Howard Anderson. Thanks so very much for listening. This podcast has been brought to you by healthcareinfosecurity.com. For more interviews, breaking news, research, and educational webinars, please visit www.healthcareinfosecurity.com.